Hello, this is Leslie Garfield-Tenzer, and this is Law to Fact. Today, I'm speaking with Professor Thaddeus Hoffmeister of the University of Dayton School of Law. episode, I'm speaking with Professor Thaddeus Hoffmeister of the University of Dayton School of Law. But before we get started, I want to remind you that all of our podcasts are organized by subject at our website, www.lawtofact.com. If you have a particular topic you'd like us to address, or a particular professor with whom you'd like us to speak, tweet us at lawtofact, or you can email me at lawtofact at gmail.com. Okay, let's get started with our episode. In this episode, we're going to speak about the importance of social media law for law students. In this episode, I'm speaking with Professor Thaddeus Hoffmeister, who teaches courses at the University of Dayton School of Law related to criminal law, technology, and the jury. He also directs their criminal law clinic. I first met Professor Hoffmeister at a forum on social media law, on which he's really an expert. He's written Social Media Law in a Nutshell and several books, including books on the jury and the role of social media with them. I was surprised to learn, as we started our discussion, that he's a proponent of social media. And in fact, he spends a significant amount of our discussion talking about the importance of and how to build a social media presence as a law student as you head toward your career. Hope you enjoy it. I loved your article, Law Students and Social Media, Do They Mix? So okay. do they mix? And yes or no, and why and why not? What do students need to know about social media? Yeah, but you got to know that I'm, I'm definitely biased. Okay. I, I spent a lot of time with social media, both on the legal issue, on the legal aspects and, and the other realms. But I, I do think it's uh, very beneficial to them, as I've written in that article and I've written in uh, another uh, of the pieces I've done. Uh, but it's not without risk. So okay. I guess we'll get to the risk later on. But we'll, let's talk about what all the benefits. I mean, the last statistic I saw was over 90 percent of all lawyers uh, use LinkedIn. So if I mean, to me, LinkedIn is like the baby step. That's just the that's a minimum amount of effort you're going to do is, is do LinkedIn. And and I think if you if you don't have a LinkedIn account, I think that would you would stand out. First of all, just not not having that. All right, so let me let me just I'm going to take you back for just a second. So right now you're talking about because you're biased, you're you're basically sharing with us the reasons why law students need social media. Okay, and so at a minimum, I I say you you you'd want LinkedIn. You'd really stand out if you didn't have any link. If you have a LinkedIn account, especially if you have no other online presence, it would be odd if someone were to Google you and nothing came up. That, that would be unique, and people would wonder why. Okay. Why is that? Why is there no digital presence? Okay. Not that that's a, a job killer or, or, or deal breaker, but it it would surprise some people that you have no digital presence at all. All right, so you actually have to build a social presence if you haven't had one yet. I think so. Okay. I think so. And, and I, do, I say that for a number of reasons. A, you would stand out. B, if you ever get derogatory information put out there by you about, uh, about you by someone else, it's very hard to get that removed. And if that's all there is, that's what will come up if someone Googles your name. Mm -hmm. So you want to start at the early end on creating that online presence. So when someone does Google your name, you control the information. You you have better ways of controlling the information that is going to appear whenever someone searches for you. And believe you me, they will search for you, especially in the job. So, so you want, you want to start with the, with the LinkedIn account. Uh, There's a number of reasons I've already stated why, why you want LinkedIn. 
But, you know, some of the things that people may or may not be aware of is that sometimes I've seen job announcements on LinkedIn. And I don't know if they go the traditional route as well, but I have seen them on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the more you grow your connections on LinkedIn, the more you'll start to see that sometimes a job advertisement is only made between those in certain areas. So, for example, um, I, I do a lot with technology and privacy. So if there's an open, I've seen numerous openings come up only in those areas. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so interesting. You, it's interesting yeah. because I will not um, friend someone. I will not friend my students on FaceTime. I will not do anything with them on Instagram, but I always accept their LinkedIn invitations. And I guess that speaks to your point that the, this is something that's essential for job postings. Yeah, and I'm the same way. I um, I won't, I won't a friend a student so long as they're a student. Right. Uh, right. Once they graduate, we could be Facebook friends. But as a student, I will connect with them on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah, I will do that because I think it's important for them to grow their network mm-hmm. and meet and meet other people. And and since we spend so much time online, mm-hmm. hence this podcast right here. Uh, you have to be able to meet people where they're at and they're online. So if you want a job, that's where you need to be, where the folks are. And so I think it helps with the connections. Uh, You can grow your network. You can, you can uh, interact with people uh, online and learn, you know, what they're interested in. And I think that can be helpful for a number of reasons. First, it lets you know what's the hot topics. Mm -hmm. So so for example, okay. Let's say you are a criminal lawyer. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the hot topic now is RICO. Well, you since you're not practicing criminal law, you may not know that. I'm just throwing that as an example. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, but if you if you follow the conversation in, online and LinkedIn, you'll see that oh yeah, RICO uh, prosecutions are picking up. Maybe it's a tax crime that are picking up. But you're part of the conversation. That's what LinkedIn allows you to do is to join those conversations of the people or the kind of work you want to do. Gives you an insight. To what's going on. So insight versus join. So my question for you is, as a law Mm -hmm. student, is it better for them to observe or to participate in the conversation? Well, I think you want to start off by observing. Mm -hmm. And uh, once you feel comfortable doing that, then I would really baby step into participating in the conversation. Because there's a a lot of um, landmines out there for stating something either out of context, just flat out wrong or editorializing in the improper way that could hurt you. Cause again, one thing about social media, like most things online, it can live forever. So you have to, sometimes I don't know if law students are savvy enough to realize that while they may feel this way in law school, they may take a totally 180 degree approach when they graduate. So they have to be careful of that. I do think I've seen students successfully blog mm-hmm. and, and do that, but I would I would say I would give a cautionary tale that if you want to start commenting on things, mm-hmm. I would I would I wouldn't do it by myself. I would maybe join other law students just to bounce ideas off people and not be alone in your own echo chamber and thinking what you're saying is the funniest, smartest, sharpest thing that's ever been said before. So if you're going to go out there and start actually commenting or giving content, I think that's another level. Mm-hmm. And I think you don't necessarily want to do that by yourself. You want to collaborate with some people who can just sort of review what you're going to say. Or you can bounce ideas. So it's the old, the old less is more is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so, all right. So, so one thing for the law professors listening is mm-hmm. do 
invite or accept invitations from your students on LinkedIn. That that helps your students and it's it's actually um, improving their chances of getting jobs. So law professors, you should accept your students' invitations on LinkedIn. So looking mm-hmm. forward to other social media. I agree with you about LinkedIn. That makes total sense. What about Instagram and what about um, Snapchat and Facebook and what kind of things should students do? And what kind of things should students be aware of? Because this, this generation has been on Facebook and LinkedIn since they were in high school, if not earlier. What do you suggest for students with respect to defining their own social media presence? Other than LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you start off with your, your baseline is, is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And then then I would, I, I think that depending on what your goals and aspirations are after law school, I think my next step would probably be, would be blogging. Mm-hmm. Now, as it is now, I don't know. I mean, at one point, blogging was very popular. Right. And I'm not sure if it, if it has the same level of, of, of popularity that it had at one time. But I'm still an advocate for blogging because I, I think it's a it's a way that you can showcase some skills that you have and also demonstrate a, a basic level of technological um, know-how. Okay. And, and so I, I think blogging is is good. I have I've had students come back and tell me that that's what they do as a part-time job for law firms. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something you actually your students will actually have to. Uh, do once they graduate. That's another reason I like blogging. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, blogging allows you to write uh, something you can put, you know, usually a, a good blog to me is about the size of an op-ed. Okay. And and I think you can you can give some substance there. Mm-hmm. And so what I, you know, what I tell students is try to try to come up with some niche area that you're interested in. So, you know, if you want to be that IP guru uh, when you graduate, I would focus on that particular area. I wouldn't try to cover too many different areas of law. I try to find some specific uh, niche and, and get into it and try to demonstrate some levels, some basic level of knowledge in that area. That's so what I normally suggest to students. Are you suggesting that blogging is the next best way to build an online presence after LinkedIn? Uh, from what I see today, I would say yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, the, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, so the question to me, the question then to me becomes, all right, so when you blog, what, what, what format are you going to take? Are you just going to give out information or are you going to editorialize? And so I, I always, I generally, t- I try to um, suggest to students that they just stick more to the facts unless giving their opinion. Mm-hmm. I think for a number of reasons, it's safer for them. I also suggest that they don't do it by themselves. Blogging can be very time consuming if done correctly. Right. So I, I, I recommend that they usually either guest blog on a, on a, on a, on a site that they like mm-hmm. and or join with other people. Mm-hmm. So it just, just doesn't become all consuming mm-hmm. and take up their time. Mm-hmm. And then if you feel that, you know, you just, you try it out. And if you feel, oh, this is something I can, I can manage, I can maintain this level of productivity, then you can maybe strike out on your own or, or do something else. But I, I, I generally say try guest blogging and or blog with other people mm-hmm. and see how you keep up with the pace of the, the, um, the output that you need on a, on a, on a regular basis. Cause you don't want your blog to get stale. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Actually, it's funny because when I taught my social media seminar, I made the students blog just to get used to blogging. Um, I agree with you. But what about 
about um, the Snapchats, Facebooks, and I mean, we all know you want to make sure that you don't do anything that an employee will um, find. But one of the things I thought was interesting from your materials is that the bars are actually looking at people's Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram accounts. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but I just go back to Snapchat and Facebook. Okay. I think those are good. I think it's more difficult on those uh, platforms to provide uh, much substance. It's, it can be challenging, I think, to to give a lot of substance. So that's why I might steer clear of them. But with that said, your clients are going to be using that. So the more you can demonstrate a, a, level of, a level of comfort and familiarity, I think the better off you are with meeting folks on that, um, that platform. So I think it's good to be there. I just think it's challenging to put out uh, something of significance, you know, with respect to the law, but there are things you can do. And I know people who are, who do produce content pretty effectively on Facebook, not so much Snapchat, but they use that to drive client interest. So see, that's really interesting. So we were kind of on two different pages right now, because what I was thinking, I was thinking about what you're about to talk about next, which is the negatives of Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. But what you're basically saying is that once you're in law school, just if if I understand you correctly, once you're in Mm -hmm. law school, you want to drive your own positive social media presence. And in addition to LinkedIn and creating a blog, you can use Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera, effectively Twitter. Twitter is probably a great one to Mm -hmm. forward your positive social media presence so that you create the kind of person that you want employers to think you are. Yeah. To understand who you are. I shouldn't say think, you know who you are. Exactly. And, and also too, people may not come to your blog, but you may reach them back to your blog or back to your LinkedIn through Snapchat or Facebook. Mm-hmm. You see, with all those different users, you want to find ways to funnel people back to maybe maybe it's just a website you have. Okay. And, and, and you, but but you got to find a way to drive traffic mm-hmm. there. And Snapchat is one way to do it. So is Facebook. So that's okay. that's that's another way to use those platforms. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. All right, so that's interesting. Okay, so you're coming. I see now what you're saying, and, and yeah. that's really helpful. Okay. And um, so, yeah, you, you, the, the second part of your question was, okay, then we know what is, let's talk about the negatives. So there's, there's, there's a lot of those. And, and what's interesting to me, and I still haven't got my arms wrapped around this. It's not just restricted to law students. In fact, the law students are probably the ones that I've seen least penalized. It's across the board from 70 year old judges down to 20 year old new newly minted attorneys who regularly, mm-hmm. I say regularly, get themselves on trouble on social media. Okay. Okay. So now here's the thing. There's, mm-hmm. there's two issues here. The first issue is getting yourself in trouble prospectively. You're in law school and now you say something to your point. Maybe you, you know, and, and engage in a discussion and get into a, a Twitter war or what have you. I'm so I'm concerned about the students pre-law school social media presence first. What do we do about that? What do they do about me? <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, the ABA, and I just posted this on LinkedIn. Yes. Uh, stated that they, they did a study and they said 60% of admissions, off, law school admissions offices are now looking at social media. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. And, and I know when I was an associate dean, they would bring me, this was a couple of years ago even, they would bring me 
content from prospective law students and say, do you, should we admit this student based mm-hmm. on what this person has written? Mm-hmm. And this is only going to grow. I mean, it, it is natural for people now when you meet someone for the first time, or I'm sorry, if you're going to meet someone the first time, is you Google them, right. is you do research oh, yeah, on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's only natural. I think it was only last year when Harvard rescinded admissions to a group of people who were in a, a group chat, social media-like uh, platform, and they said derogatory, uh, many derogatory things about different groups of people, and Harvard just took back the admissions. Hmm. Okay. All right. And can you, so can you, can you like, wipe, for, I'm sorry, can you wipe clean okay. your, your social media? Like, like, let's say I said I did something silly while I was in high school. Can I get rid of it? California has uh, an eraser law for anyone. Now, th- now this I'm broadly speaking, there's exceptions to this law now, but broadly speaking, California, if you're under the age of 18, and so for many people, this is not going to apply to them because they're all over the age of 18. Right. But, it, but if you're under the age of 18, you can request information that you posted be deleted from a social media account. Uh, Account now. There's some exceptions to this 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 overall rule, but generally speaking, under the age of 18, you can have that information that you posted personally removed. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. But, you know, that's, that's interesting. That's, but that's yeah. Yes, to think it from 18 to 22. <laughs> yeah, that we're, most of the folks will be listening to that. So you can't. You 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 really can't. And that's the, and that's why I go back to what I said earlier is where you want to control your online presence. Of course, right. of course, you want to do it effectively. You don't want to hurt yourself. You don't want to shoot yourself in the foot by writing derogatory information. But the more positive things you can put out there, mm-hmm. the more that impacts the the, the uh, Google algorithm, what pops up when someone searches your name. That's really interesting and really helpful. And I guess, too, that there's got to be kind of a, a curve that when they look, the when, when employers look at your reputation, they're going to see what your reputation was in law school more, you know, and then what it was right before law school and going back. So like the more you can distance yourself from things, I, again, you know, it's interesting. We're in a cultural moment, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. regardless of how you feel on the particular issue dealing with judge Kavanaugh, the reality is that, and this, we didn't even have Facebook or things that would be able to be offered as proof, but things that you did years and years and years ago can come back to and we and be you know come, can come back to life. Well, exactly right. Uh, we won't have this same type of well. The, I think, unfortunately, I think the facts may be similar, but the proof will be different. Right. 10, 15 years down the road, because right. people are going to be able to dredge up this information as opposed to say, "Well, I never said that. I never." Well, we're just going to look at your your social media profile. Maybe you can explain away that like you can explain away a yearbook. I don't know. But nonetheless, you're going to have more information writing and it would be more difficult, uh, I think, to avoid. All right. And so by analogy, that's why it's important to start thinking early about your social media presence. But I do, I love what you're saying, which is build a social media presence because my mm-hmm. feeling was stay off social media, stay away from it. It can do no good. But you're saying get a hold no. of it. Be yeah. forward thinking and create something positive. And the thing is, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it was something outrageous to me. Something like 70% of the two year olds have a social media presence. Oh my God. Are you serious? Wow. It's, it's their parents. Yeah. yeah of and so, 
And so, and so in this day and age, you're not going to stop it. You best want you, your best bet is to try to control it. Right. Okay. Because people post everything and right. whether or not you're just walking behind someone in a picture, whether it's your middle school or high school, want to post the results of a track meet. Mm-hmm. That's the day and age we live in. So if, 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 if that's the case, try to do as, as much as you can to control the information about you as a person. Right. Right. All right. So yeah. tell me, tell me the board mission war stories that you have. Well, yeah. So like I said, <laughs> attorneys as across the board, uh, you know, people get themselves in trouble. I'm really surprised what the judges and attorneys do because you, you would think they would know better. We have had some law students uh, run afoul of the, of the bar because, uh, okay. because what happens is they want to start doing some digging, especially if you have a flag comes up that they feel requires further investigation, they will start looking into your social media history. Mm-hmm. And now I would say at, at least one state, there may be more, but I know Florida has had a rule in the book for a number of years now, at least four or five, where if, if you raise a flag of some kind in your file, then you have to turn over your, so, your, your social media history. So what do you mean? Like, give me an example of that. What do you mean? Uh, you know, I guess it, it, let's say you had some type of criminal conviction. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say uh, you had a, a credit problem. Mm-hmm. If that required, you know, a, a, another look by the board, mm-hmm. then they may ask. So from my understanding, again, I haven't I, I've talked to them. And, and, and when I talk, they don't want to reveal the entire process of how they do it. Mm-hmm. But it seems as my takeaway is they don't check everyone they don't ask for everyone's social media history but those people who for whatever reason raise a flag for them then their follow-up step is we want to review your social media history interesting so they can raise a red flag on a non-social media issue but just mm-hmm. by raising the red flag they're going to talk about they want to see your social media yeah yeah right. so they're not asking for every bar taker right but if you're someone who has some concerns that, that raise concerns for them. Well, their next step then is to go social media. I actually, I'm a member of the Florida bar and the, what you have to give them, the information is like so amazing, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> so. and, and if you look at most jobs, you know, even here in Ohio, if you look at any state attorney job, and I'm sure it's for non-attorneys as well, they tell you right there in the job application, we reserve the right to do background searches for any online information. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now the question becomes, can an employer ask for your private uh, password? Okay. Or do what they call shoulder surfing. Okay. Where, where they bring out a laptop or a smartphone and they tell you to log in and they stand behind your shoulder and they and they watch you go through. Oh, interesting. I should... <laughs> now, certain states, there's a like, a like 30, 30 plus states that, that, that prohibit this type of uh, activity. Right, right. Ohio's the state I'm in right now is not one of them, but... Uh, that's for private now. Public information is fair game. Yeah, yeah. For employers, yeah. That that always amazes me that employers want to see your private email accounts. Um, mm-hmm. Who has time or interest? But that's a different issue. I mean, unless you have something to suspect, attorneys want to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Att- attorneys want to know they love the social media information of jurors. Oh, okay. They want, they want, because they feel, they feel people feel that's a better, which I'm not sure this is true, but they feel they get a better, honest picture of you if they can look at your, your uh, social media accounts. But 
again, I don't know if I agree with this because, you know, social media to me is one of those things that people generally speaking, always want to put out a positive light, not necessarily negative things. Right. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, all right. So one other thing, just kind of going back, this is, this is just so fabulous. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back, one of the things that you talk about is the things that students say, you kind of have four categories of the things students say that tend to hurt their social media, media presence, the echo chamber, reactionary, overconfident, and keeping up with the Kardashians. Can you speak a little bit to that for a second? Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of going back to, why I think it's is who's the echo chamber one, you know, and, and I think not only law students, but this could apply to attorneys and judges. I think it's good to bounce ideas off people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the problems I think is that you know here you can pick and choose what information you receive on a daily basis. You okay. can totally isolate yourself from the polar opposite political thought if you wanted to. Right. And, and so I think the problem with that is then it makes you less relatable and, and you're less able to understand another point of view. And you think whatever you say is the, is the God honest truth. It can't, there can't be nothing wrong with what you say because you're surrounded yourself with, with, with the same kind of viewpoint. Right. That, and that's the problem with social media, right? If it's, mm-hmm. Who do you follow? You follow people who you who have like values and then you feel like everyone has that. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's an excellent point. So so the, so the way I look at it is so if you go back to like if you watch television seven, in the 70s and 80s, if you watch the news, the news had to be kind of broad based because that's all the news you had. Right. And so you, they had to, they had to show different viewpoints. Mm-hmm. But today you don't have that. You don't have that anymore. People can just totally be in their own silo. And not have to listen to other viewpoints. And that's that's kind of that echo chamber thing is you don't have to read or watch anything different from what you already believe. And so you may that, that, that just that just solidifies your belief system. Right. Right. Got it. Um, and, and I guess the other ones, too, the, the reactionary is you don't want to yeah. rea- you don't want to react. Well, to, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like so the challenge with, with social media, with social with today's the way we the, the digital age, so to speak is that there's not that cooling off period. Mm-hmm. And so you have people, as soon as you see something, it bothers you, so you're going to react. Right. As opposed to, let me think this through. Let me look at the pros and cons. And do I really need to say something right now? Right. Well, in this day and age, you can. You have the ability to be on Facebook and reach 2 billion people without anyone screening anything you say. Got it. Yeah. And so that, that can be dangerous. Yeah. Because especially if you're a young person and you don't know all the the consequences or the, the collateral effects of what you're saying. And we all have been heated at one time, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah, but, yeah. In, but in this day and age, you can get heated and you could make, you could write something that you regret by the point uh, less than five minutes later, you could regret what you've written. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, and I, I get the idea that you don't want to present yourself to someone who's overconfident because that's just, that's just not a positive quality <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to an employer. Um, and I'm assuming that the keeping up the, with the Kardashians, with all due respect to the Kardashians, is this idea that you want to have some gravitas to you and appear intellectual or... I yeah, I think, yeah, and I think so. I think some people get a little, and this may go to the overconfident as well. I think some people get a little, um, I, I don't think social media always is an accurate reflection of how people live their lives mm-hmm. or their true experiences. 
in many ways, you know, I tell people, you know, how many times have you seen a baby announcement and how many times have you seen a funeral notice? Oh, you know, or, yes, yes. Or, or, you know, how many times have you seen someone pass along a, a, a news, a news article from the Inquirer versus the Atlantic or the New Yorker? Because mm-hmm. people want to project a certain image of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that image is not the reality of who they are. Mm-hmm. And so I think some people feel a need to be more boastful to sound more, um, I don't know, say intelligent, but to to act in a way that's not really characteristic characteristic of who they are, mm-hmm. and that sometimes they get that gets them in trouble by trying to uh, replicate something they see on social media, which really is not the reality. So your best bet is to be authentic. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Anything else you want to um, add? Uh, no, I, I, again, I don't want to be a, the uh, Debbie Downer here. I am still a big <laughs> proponent of, uh, of social media. I do think, uh, it's very, it's important. I, I encourage, I, I, I'm like you, I make my students blog in class, even class, even courses that, that aren't necessarily uh, related to social media. I still have them blog because I think it's a good practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it helps them this, 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 uh, ability to be able to re- to write something every week to mm-hmm. kind of jog the memory to get thinking about current of current topics in the legal system and to get down that format of six hundred six to seven hundred words uh, per post and I think it helps prepare them for the actual what they're going to be called upon when they when they graduate um, so I, I I think I would embrace it uh, I think it's important I think I believe you will continue to see it, it grow and I've seen some students been. Uh, get jobs based on their ability to write effective blog posts and to draw attention to themselves in a positive way. Right. Right. In a, right. In a, in a positive way. And also to build a, an early niche of specializing in a certain area of law. Uh, you know, but you know, as someone as uh, this, uh, professor Jan Jacobowitz has said, the takeaways for, you know, be aware that your membership in the legal profession affords you both 24 seven privileges and obligations. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing we didn't talk about that, Understand, even sometimes in your private life, mm-hmm. people can look at what you write in your private life and raise that as an issue. Oh, ab- I mean, that's what's going on right now. Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. the big concern. I mean, and, yeah. and, and that and just just to touch on that for half a second, like yeah. lawyers have private lives, you know, lawyers yeah. have babies and lawyers have outings mm-hmm. and lawyers go on vacation. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and I think that, you know, one of the pitfalls of social media uh, is that you have to find the tension and balance between your professional and personal life. And as a law student, you have to make sure that because you're in the game of not only learning the law, but finding a job, I think you have to tip your hand toward the um, professional. And then once you're a lawyer, you want to show, you know, that you're hiking and I don't know. No, you're right. I, it's interesting. I think law students understand this better than lawyers mm-hmm. because I've seen lawyers time and time again say things that I was like, I know that's your personal opinion, but you have a high profile job. You know, you're an assistant United States attorney. You're a, you're a, you're the vice president. You're the the, the the counsel for CBS. You just can't say those things and you can't put those things in writing. Like you can't. You get you got you got to know what's professional, and personal, and, right. and you put your life. On a on a um, on a public display, you can't you can't you can't offer those types of opinions. Right, right. And and where you go, I mean, it's it's you know, and this is just I was thinking about this like 
the music you like, you know, going to a concert and not saying I went to this kind of concert and I'm not saying that's good or bad, but it's mm-hmm. fodder for an interview. I mean, and it's, it is. you know, um, and, and that's just something people have to be aware of. But, but what I think the biggest takeaway from you about, about our conversation and there's been many takeaways, but the biggest is that social media can be your friend. I always think of it as the enemy for students, but the reality is that it actually can be your friend. I think so. No, I think it is. And I think you're not going to put the genie back in the bottle. Yes. Now we may get different providers and platforms. Like, you know, we had MySpace at one time. Well, it's still around, but not really that, that, that popular. And who knows how long Facebook will be the preeminent social media uh, platform. Mm -hmm. But this idea of people going online to exchange information and to share things is not going away anytime soon. Right. And the better you come to people to come to grips with it and know how to handle and deal with it, I think the better off they will be in the long run. Terrific. So that's my discussion with Professor Hoffmeister. This and all of our episodes are available on www.lawdefact.com. Enjoy your day. 